Alhamdulillah Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Ladies and gentlemen Welcome to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream On a gloomy, cloudy Thursday in the great state of New Jersey Central Jersey As some people um, like to debate Whether or not there is such a thing as Central Jersey But no doubt there is Anything under Newark and above Trenton is Central Jersey. Those are the de- lines of demarcation, and the lines are like in a slash, all right? Between Newark, where you're going to come in when you visit New Jersey, you're going to come into Newark, EWK. Newark Liberty Airport, one of the best airports in the country because it's a tiny little airport. You can you drive in, and you see the whole airport. Terminal 1, Terminal 2, or is it A, B, or C? A, B, and C. You see the terminals, and they got plenty of international flights now. So you don't need to fly all the way over to JFK and get yourself, uh, you know, try two hours to JFK. So no, uh, Newark, you go down once you, hit, I think once you really hit Trenton, maybe Princeton, maybe. Princeton or Trenton, what do you think? As far south? Yeah, what is Central Jersey? Newark Central, I would say, to Princeton? I would actually say New Brunswick. New Brunswick is Central. So from Newark all the way down Newark, to, yeah, yeah, to Princeton. Or to, Tr- to Trenton, which one? Trenton is still, you're starting to get a little... South. Yeah. I would say Trenton. Trenton yeah. Hamilton. Hamilton. Then, I don't even care about that South part. Dump it off to Delaware. Nobody cares about it. Right. We get no love. Me me, and Fakini are from there. Tom Fakini is from, is from South Jersey. I'm from South Jersey. Right. You're from South Jersey. What town? Uh, Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill, Tom's River. He's from the West... Yeah, he he around that area, Cherry Hill. And we were just sitting like we get no love. We just get hated on and 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 dumped on all dunked on all day long. Nobody loves Saint, Saint, South Jersey, but best guess what? We got the best beaches when it's on the right, on the east. Right? We got the best beaches. When I was in uh back when I was in college, when I got my car after we take classes or work, whatever I was taking, I was either finishing my degree or take, or, or working, either one. I would uh, go right down to the beach, three minutes from my house. Not even, like, if no traffic, three minutes from the house. Zoom, zoom, cross over the bridge, boom, three traffic lights, and you're there, free parking. And I go to the, like, the senior citizen section, right, where, like, nobody's there. Literally nobody's there. All the youth, they go to the boardwalk, which is called Seaside Park, Seaside Heights, and we go to Seaside Park, right? And... It's actually a bless. It's it's actually a blessing in disguise that they had this youth area with the boardwalk and the craziness because everyone goes there. Nobody goes to Seaside Park, so it was literally empty. And I remember there was a summer I go every single day, didn't miss a day. And then until I traveled that year to Yemen, uh, there was a dude there. He would sit there. He put out a lawn chair at like six o'clock every day on the dot. Put out a lawn chair, have a big tall cup of Wawa coffee, and. Stab his um, fisherman thingy, right, into the beach and just sit there, wait for something to catch on, right? And usually he'd catch one fish a day. He'd take that fish and he'd go home. I'm thinking to myself, what's going on in that life, right? Like, you're sing- he's, he's an old man, he's 50, 55, 60. But not old, but, you know. Because people are very healthy now at 50, 60 even. But I'm like, what a simple life he's living. 
But some situations are like that. You find yourself all alone, right? And he has the ability to come down. This was before the age of cell phones. He would just sit there with his coffee, watching his Sonata thingy. What does he call it? Fisherman's, what do you call it? Fishing rod. Yeah. And just sit there, you know, looking at the water. I'm like, something happened. Like something bad happened in this person's life. That this is what he finds to be peaceful. Or something really good happened, and this is his gratitude. Like, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm satisfied. Gratitude is very hard, by the way. Right? You have to learn how to have gratitude. If you don't have gratitude, you're not going to get near him. Gratitude is harder. I'm telling you, it's harder than dua. Because gratitude, it's like you, it it's comes out of your decency. Right? And it's thanking for something in the present or the past. Whereas dua is something that you want for the future for yourself. If you're not good at gratitude, your dua is not going to be answered. Or if it is answered, you're not going to benefit. Because you're not going to be thankful. And if and Allah does not like it, Abdul Kafur. Before we get to the audio, let me talk about a couple things. An amazing observation about the path, the tricks of shaitan. Listen, pay very close attention to this because a lot of us are guilty of it. Iblis, his fastest route to people is through the stomach. If you can get the oily stomach and indulgence in a person, they will eventually indulge in everything else. And why is it that Allah calls So this is related to gratitude. Why is it that I always find this unique? Like, I didn't really understand it. That those who overspend and go to excess, they are the companion, the brothers of shaitan. Shaitan loves them. And I used to think to myself, why? What is really that bad about overspending, right? But the thing is, it's not just overspending. It's excess in everything. When you, ex if you have excess or deficiency in everything in your life, you will be so out of whack then you will also, it's a personality trait, you'll take it to your dean. Then in the dean, if you, when you go to extremes, you usually either go off the cliff or you bounce to the opposite extreme and you never find the comfortable middle where you can be consistent. Consistency is what gets you results, not strength. This is so important for people who are studying, who are learning at Arcview, people who are doing dhikr. Consistency is the way to success, not strength. Like, how many repetitions? How many times did you get up and go sit on your rug? That's more important than how long you spent on it. So to spend one day and sit for an hour, for, to sit for 70 minutes, put that on one scale, but to sit every single day for 10 minutes, this is better. Because it's the concept to get your body, every time you move and you, you do it, right? You're ingraining in yourself that that's you. You're ingraining in your mind and your heart. So consistency is far more important than strength. Anyone who goes to an extreme can never attain consistency. So shaitan is the enemy. He knows the ways of goodness. So in order to get anybody off consistency, get them to decrease or increase. And really tabdir tends to be increase. Let them overdo it. So one, to, uh, one way that shaitan gets people is wiswas. 
Um, oh, you didn't make wudu properly. Do it again. Didn't make wudu. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. So now salah, instead of taking five minutes of your time, seven minutes of your time, it now takes 17 minutes of your time. Well, who has 17 minutes every time you need to pray? Eventually, what do people do? They leave off salah completely. So it's really important to rec recognize that the excess in matters will throw everything off balance and will lead you to the opposite extreme. And when you're swinging back and forth, you are, you're in a state of instability. All right? And you'll never be consistent with that. And so, at-tabdir uh, comes in all things, excess. The worst is in food. This eating is basically your life. Like you're, you are alive because of eating. So if you're excessive in that, you're going to be excessive in everything else. But if you're acceptable in that, chances are you'll be acceptable in everything else. Because the, it's literally like it's part of your body. It's the one act you're doing that's inside your body. The, notice the Prophet wasallam said, I eat like a slave. And notice the Prophet wasallam when he spoke about humility. Right? When he spoke about Humility, he spoke about relate in relation to food too. What is the connection between food and humility? It's that part of arrogance, part of arrogance is not accepting, is being picky about the food from kibr. One of the fastest route to humility is to be humble in what you eat. And you might think, well, how is that really like relevant? But it is relevant because it's a practice you do every single day. So if every single day a person is picky about their food, well, it ingrains in them like you're some king. You're like lording over the food. Oh, I'm not eating this. I'm eating this. I need this and I need that. Lording over the food. You become inside you. You do it every single day. Maybe three, four times a day, five times a day, right? Keep in mind, most people today, smart people and healthy people and people who want to be in shape, they don't eat a lot. So they may feel, this is a trick of shaitan, such a brilliant trick. Honestly, it's brilliant. As much as it is evil, but you have to admit when intelligence, it, uh, it's not a lot, yet you're extremely picky about it. So shaitan has got you on arrogance of what you consume while imagining that you're temperate. While imagining that I'm not eating a lot. So you get double-fold you're arrogant about your food and you pat yourself on the back and you imagine that, no, I'm, I'm following the sunnah on food. I mean, how many times have you seen like a recipe? It's like a very nice piece of chicken, right? It's like very modest dinner. It's a modest dinner. But it has to be pink sea salt. It has to be an organic uh, grass rain, rain, whatever they call it. Free range, grass fed, massaged <laughs> Foot, you got a foot massage on the chicken, right? Uh, only drank, you know, Avion natural spring water. The amount of pickiness on the chicken. And then the little herb, one little piece of greenery on it was organic, farm-raised, cost $17, right? The salt, the olive oil, oh, the exact olive oil, okay, from... Palestine, what do they call it? Extra virgin Evo, perfect, or forty dollars a, a a bottle, and there and you the beauty of it from 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 Shaitan's perspective, you're imagining that you're temperate 
because I'm not eating a lot. I'm only eating one breast with a, with a piece of leg. You know that cut, which the breast with the leg? And then quinoa. <laughs> okay, it has to be this stuff that nobody's heard of before, right? And there is so much, and you imagine it as health. You want to argue that it's healthy. You want to argue to yourself that and convince yourself it's for the sake of our kids. It's you want to argue all this stuff. But at the same time, let's not, you know, joke around. This is some serious kibber going on at simultaneously. Now, I like that food too, but there is some kibber going on here. You cannot just... Uh, hey, look at the people who do it. Go to Whole Foods. Look around the aisles. These people are just some snobs, right? They're some snooty snobs. And the ulama, when they look at this hadith of the Prophet wasallam, the Prophet said, I eat like a slave. What does a slave eat? How does a slave eat? The plate gets put in front of you and you eat it. Khalas. Simplicity in how about the coffee orders, right? How about the coffee orders? You need to be, to have a really strong short-term memory now. Hey, I'm going for the coffee run. What do you want? There's 10 darajat, all right? A cafe mocha latte mixed with caramel with three shots of this and five shots of that with a drizzle of that, right? And, and then this kind of milk, uh, oat milk, Right, light with partly oat milk, partly cream. Whoa, I'm not a hafiz here, right? I'm not sitting here doing hivs. Okay, you need to do hivs to know these orders. So, what is that too? Indulging a little bit of that ego. But here's the thing: you think, oh, it's so innocent. Yes, but one little bit of kibr. Repeat it two hundred times a year. Go for dinner. Repeat that three hundred sixty-five times a year. Right. All of a sudden. What you got? You got a king. You got a person who believes themselves, whether they know or not, to be a king. All from the indulgence of food and lack of er- and, and the arrogance. Little micro levels of kibr that develop. And everyone's guilty about it in some way, shape, and form. For some people for one spice. Salt. It's not even a spice. It's like so important. That's why Allah filled the earth with it. You think about that? Allah has filled the earth with salt. There's never been in the world, human history, a shortage of salt. All you have to do is take water from the ocean, put it in the sun. That's it. And then that pan will have salt in it at the end of the day. Right? That's it. Salt. Imagine this. One of the lessons of Tasawwuf was that, I remember this a long time ago, they used to say, one of the lessons of Tasawwuf is that Ask, try to make yourself not ask for the salt. That's really hard, right? Because sometimes you feel stingy too. It's like this really amazing lamb chop. This is a shame. This is a waste. I'm eating it. Sometimes you have really good food. You're sitting like, this is a waste. This biryani just need a little bit of salt to be excellent. No, uh, it's a big practice of tasawwuf that to come in that when you ask for food, when whatever when you're hungry, whatever plate, whatever amount, whatever is put in front of you, if it's called food, eat it and finish that plate. That's it. If it's if if human beings call this food, that's enough. I was at the mill the other day, and I'm trying to practice this. Our mill went 
Subhanallah, mashallah. Three hours, 40 minutes. The MBIC one went three hours, 40 Dubai, in Emirates, Habib Ali's went five hours, 40 minutes. The video is five hours, 40 minutes. I'm sitting there and someone's like, man, you look tired. What do you want? I said, a plate of anything that human beings would call food. If a human being calls it food, put it here. Right? And give me a fork or a spoon because I don't like shake people's hands. I don't want to get my hand dirty. That's it. That's how we should be. It's not easy. Right? And sometimes, I mean, we all go out to restaurants. Anytime there's a Muslim restaurant, look at this. Is, I think I'm fooling myself. Anytime there's a Muslim restaurant, I said, let's go and support the business. Right? <laughs> let's go and support the new Muslim business. But you want to check out their food, which is okay and fine. Fine and good. Right? The other day, I went to support a new Muslim business. Wonderful burgers. I'm sitting there eating. Table's full. The owner, he calls me from the back. He says, come, we putting out the rugs for Maghrib. So I left the food. We went to pray. Poor waiter thought we were done. Took half the food. <laughs> Threw it away. Like, man. Right? And then they said, go and tell, tell him that he took half your food. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to go and give that. It was busy. I'm not going to give the owner a hard time. I despise people who give owners hard times. I cannot stand people who go out there in a restaurant and then look at the waiter and say, like an emergency, this is not what I ordered. I was sitting the other day at another Muslim restaurant. Hamza wasn't a Muslim who did this. It was in England, actually. No, it wasn't a Muslim restaurant, but it's halal. Because they, they, the franchise are owned by Muslims. It was Nando's or something. I'm at Nando's. What is Nando's? It's a chicken with spicy sauce. There's like three flavors of sauce. That's what you're eating. That's it, right? It's either a white lemony sauce or some spicy sauce. It's the same stuff, essentially. Different flavor. You sit there, the table next to me. Uh, the waiter puts the food down. The lady looks at it like it's like in shock. No, no that's not what I ordered. That's not what I ordered. What the heck? What are you going to do? You throw the food away. What is wrong with people? And you're a working class person, right? You work, essentially. Why are you hassling? Don't you have any sense about the waiter's life, the chef's life, the owner of the restaurant? That's a waste for him. If that happens once a day, if that happens once a day, that's 365 chicken legs thrown in the garbage, right? It's a wing with a leg, right? That's what they give you at Nando's. Well, that's 365 chickens thrown away. I mean, uh, uh, pieces. And if that piece is, let's say, a quarter of a chicken, let's say, hypothetically, divide that 365 by four, right? 90 chickens. 90 chickens. What a waste. We never, in our family, are never returning an order. Whatever they screw up, as long as it's not khanzir, you're eating it, right? That's how it is. That's how it is. And there's no pickiness in the food, okay? Luqman Rashid says it's not Nando's. Whatever it is not next to Baker Street Mosque, like down the street from Baker Street Mosque, when you walk from the Baker Street Mosque down, okay, uh, uh, down um, to Baker Street itself, the main hub there, Marleybone Road, there's a whole bunch of halal restaurants there. And we went to one of them, okay? And that's where they're making this. I'm like, this is disgusting. These people are, what do you think? You're some king? Uh, we clean up after the meal. And and some people in my family always say, don't do this. No one does this in a restaurant. Just leave it as it is. I'm like, no, no. It, we should not enjoy being served like this, right? Unless you're doing tarbiyah to somebody. But in general, when they serve you food at a restaurant, I'm looking at the table. Do we have a slave here? 
It's just slave era of 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 enemy slaves is over. I have no enemy slaves here. I don't care if he's getting paid. Paid what? The p- table is filled with napkins, right? Corn on the cob, forks, spoons. Clean this up. At least make give the guy three piles, right? All the plates, all the cups, and all the trash, right? Like make it such like that you're not a, a king getting served. These are all the habits of humility as they relate to food. How about another one? This is a really tough one. Is that when there's a small amount of food, you pass it around to everybody else, right? So, uh, subhanAllah, uh, when it comes to food, if one, let's say every once in a while, you can convince yourself, you know, to, uh, uh, to eat the food as it's put in front of you, right? That's a beautiful, and what else did the Prophet say? I sit like a slave. He used to sit eating on the ground. One time, he was invited to a people's house and they had a table and chairs. And he sat, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Within a few short period of time, he said to the host, he's uncomfortable. He wants to sit on the floor. So that hadith gives us the permissibility of sitting, yet the preferability uh, on chairs and tables, yet the preferability of sitting on the ground. Okay, I remember one time one of the habayib shiuch, his son got married. They furnished the house and everything. They walked in and he found a bed, right? A raised bed. He walked right out of the house. Walked right out of the house, right? They said, Father, what is it? He was a very gentle sheikh, right? I said, what is it? He wouldn't say anything. Then someone said, it was the bed, right? They said, get rid of the bed. We sleep on the ground. We put like cots, little mats like that. We sleep on the ground. Humility. Of course, uh, you're going to be sleeping in the street if you do that in your house today, in this in this day and age. You tell your wife, no beds, right? No beds, right? Uh, floor only. Not going to work with many people today. You going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say something. Sheikh Obeidullah Evans made an yeah. interesting observation once. He said that uh, you were talking about this elitism that comes with organic food. And in the Muslim community, mm, there's... Take, put his mic on. Yeah. yeah. There's an elitism in the Muslim community uh, among certain, I don't want to say all, but certain students of knowledge who claim that, okay, the food has to be uh, prepared in a certain fashion. Obviously, it has to be tayyib, it has to be pure. But there are people, he was saying, Baidullah said, in, for example, the communities here, like in New Brunswick, mm-hmm. who don't have the luxury of not eating fast food. So he was saying, and I won't say who said it, but he was saying, like, if you go to McDonald's, yeah, I would rather eat the package than the sandwich itself. Someone said this. Someone said yeah. this. And Sheikh Obeyla said this is a very, very dangerous thing to say because there are poor people is this not who kibber? have nothing else. Is this not making people feel like trash? Okay. And um, is this not kibber? So, yeah, we do have, there is talk about health. There is talk about health. But at the same time, there has to be pra- pragmatics. This is complete. Uh, now, Now, mind you, when I'm saying this, know the level of, let's say, eating without salt, right? You should know the level of that. You have not committed a crime if you put salt on your food. You're not an arrogant person. So, but every now and then, right? Every now and then, test yourself, right? Every, so such that the day that comes that you're at someone's house, 
right? You're at somewhere, someplace, and they serve you food like that. You don't have to ask for the salt, right? But so keep it in mind, though, it's very important to know the level of these things. These level of things is more in the adab, right? From the adab and the humility of things. So if you find yourself one day, it's a long night, okay? It's a long night. I had a long day. All I want to hear is, is I don't want to hear a single human voice. I want a plate of warm food in front of me, right? It's a long day, right? And it happens to all of us sometimes. And sometimes you take it one step further. I don't want any human being around me. I want a plate of food and a remote control, right? <laughs> sometimes you earned it, right? So, But you can't be so... Uh, uh, you cannot elevate that which is a comment on edab. A nice thing to do every once in a while. You should not elevate that to now halal and haram to the point that you now we uh, overdo yourself and burst out the other end. So it has to be with moderation, these things. These adab, you massage them into life little by little. All of a sudden, after 10 years, you realize you do it all the time without even thinking about it and without ever looking down on anyone else who doesn't do that. That's how we're supposed to do this stuff with tasawuf. Okay? So uh, the issue here when it comes to... to uh, all of these awliya and all the people of the past who were great is that they controlled their stomach. They were, they were, they controlled their stomachs, and it's. Uh, but again, we made fun of a lot of these things like the, the coffee orders. But you got to understand where are we putting this? We're putting in this in level of if a person wants to try to remove one percent, and but isn't all of life successes by one percent here, one percent there, right? Just do a little bit better. Or imitate the prophet in one way or, or or another way, and that's the where we're supposed to understand where this stuff is supposed to go. Okay, um, all right. Where are we now? We are on Ishaq and Nahrajuri, and he said, "At dunya bahr, this world is an ocean. sahil, the coast at the end, at the edge, that is, that's the akhira, and the boat." is the taqwa and the people are your travel companions choose your travel companions properly if you're going to be thrown into an ocean and in that ocean you're going to be um fighting for your life you got to pick very wisely who you're which ship you want to ride do you want to ride the ship of you know the disciplined the disciplined uh, uh you know boat people sailors the disciplined sailors or do you want to be with the people who are on a party boat Right. Okay. Or the people who are on the Titanic. He said, I saw a man with one eye making tawaf, saying, I, Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from you. Okay. He says, How do you say such a thing? He said, One day I saw. A person, and I said, "How amazing is this person?" And as soon as I looked at that, I saw something hit me on the eye, and I became blind. So I attributed that to making talim, aggrandizing a creation. That's a very high maqam. Okay, it's a very high maqam. He says, al ilm." The best of states is that which matches with knowledge. Now listen to this. Okay, how do I interpret the sayings of the Arifina Billah that seem to maybe contradict knowledge or contradict something or, or I don't know where to fit it. It's that person's state. Because 
is it sinful for a person when you look at someone and say, "Oh, that guy's amazing." Is that necessarily sinful? Have you dropped? For you, maybe not, right? We're not saying it's sinful. For you, maybe not. For that person, okay, maybe they had undergone some serious training with themselves never to look at the creation like that. For them, it was a drop. Maybe for them, that's what they needed to rectify their state, right? So that's how we understand um, uh, the the sayings of the awliya. One of the sayings, famous sayings, is uh, Your knowledge of my state okay, makes me not need to ask you. But what he's saying, he is saying a fact there. It's from the Ba'alwis. And many people say, see, the Ba'alwis, this is false Sufism. No, because look at the uh, look at the next line. So my dua and my desperation calls upon you. Testify to my need of you. Right? So he's not saying he's not making dua. He's not saying there is no need for dua. There's no there is a need for him to make dua. There's no need for Allah to know what you need. That's what he's saying. He said, Allah knows already what you need. You know my state and my needs. You know already my states and my needs. So uh, my dua is not educating Allah about what we need. That's what he's removing there. So it's a completely sound statement. Because the next line is, my dua and my desperate calls testify to my neediness. Okay? So, and if you ask the Ahl Tasawwuf, why do you make dua? A, Allah knows. B, you're a zahid in the dunya. He's, they say simply, Allah commanded us to, to ask for things. And we ask for what's in the Qur'an. Whatever Allah told, told us to, to dua in the Qur'an, we say it exactly. So the Zahid, the ascetic, he doesn't want to ask anything for himself. He's not asking for uh, uh, material things for himself. He, they reach that. We didn't reach that level. They reach that level. That's fine for them, right? And they're content with whatever Allah brings of the material things of this life, the pleasures of this life. So what, what, what is their dua? Their dua is what Allah gave in the Qur'an, right? Whatever dua is in the Qur'an, that, they make that dua with desperation. You know Allah knows and Allah is going to give, yes, but we're commanded to have desperation in our call to show that we are the slaves. We don't have and Allah has. That's, that's the sophistic where you start having knowledge of now. And that dua will never end. Whereas the dua for protection or for blessings will end usually uh, upon the, uh, 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 obtaining that blessing. I'll ask Allah for, 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 for money to pay a debt. Well, as soon as you get the money, now you don't have any incentive to make dua anymore. Right? You no longer have that incentive. So um, the, that's why the best dua is that which is motivated by poverty. General, gen, in general, I am impoverished, not poverty of money. Again, you get poverty of money, as soon as you gain wealth, you lose the motivation to do dua, right? So it's as, an, as a uh, display of my poverty in front of Allah, general need, and fulfilling the command. Next, what he said. Ahmed al-Nuri. Ahmed al-Nuri is one of the awliya of Allah, and he says, At-tasawufu tarku kulli hadhin lil-nafs. His definition of tasawuf, and this is why Sidi Ahmed Zaruq said, 
There are thousands upon thousands of definitions of tasawuf, and each one reflects the state of the one speaking. He says tasawuf is leaving off every portion of the nafs, every cut of the nafs, right? Leave it off. That's his definition. Ultimately, Ahmad Zarruq said the ultimate, ultimate definition. After looking at hundreds upon thousands of definitions, he said, at tasawuf, he said is, Sitq at-tawajjuh ilallah. A sincere turning to Allah. And everyone will turn to Allah in a different way, at a different level. All of these awliya are turning to Allah and they're at like a different part of the mountain. So they're describing different types of the mountain. But the truth itself is the action or the motivation that gets you up the mountain. Okay. Tark Tark Al Masidi is here, uh, not with us as a guest, but as a viewer. And if he wants to come on as a guest, he could come and tell us about the salawats. They have like a type of 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 contests as it relates to salawats. Okay. All right. Meanwhile, uh, Governor Phil Murphy, okay, is. Miladun Nabi Mubarak says from Governor Phil Murphy. Okay. Okay. Governor Phil Murphy is all about now that he's, he's Sahib Mawlid as well. Okay. Happy now? Good job. Hey, listen. Uh, take it. You never know. Maybe someone does some one good thing and, and they it starts to reflect a change in them. Of course, I know some people are going to say, oh, well, it's just politics. Yeah, it is probably just politics. Okay. Moeen brought something yesterday that I thought was something very knowledgeable about just what you mentioned. He said that Abu Lahab just celebrated the Prophet Muhammad's birthday. birthday. Thank you. A drink of water in Jahannam. Yeah. For that. You drink of water in Jahannam. Yep. Mm hmm. So we now he says that uh, 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 Tariq, if you want to come on, let me know, and you could talk about this situation that you got the 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 salawats. It's like a contest type of see who can do more salawat. Next, Azul Ashya fi zamanina shay'an, the most uh, noble or or precious things in our era are two ashya can be made jama with the hamza or without the hamza ashya or ashya okay um like ashifa or ashifa why did qadi ayad call his book ashifa fi huquq al-mustafa fi ta'rif huquq al-mustafa he called he didn't call it ashifa he called it ashifa he says because you have a choice between completing the word or a shortening the word right ashifa with a f- alif and hamza ashifa with an alif he says because when we when you have a choice between the complete word or the shortened word the complete word gives a sense that we've encompassed everything and I don't want to say that I encompassed everything in the book about the Prophet because the Prophet cannot be encompassed. So he chose the short version of the word, as shifa. 
Shifa. The small little contribution to the Ummah about the Prophet is not all encompassing. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. Now he says here, and a scholar who acts upon his knowledge. And a Arif Billah who speaks about the Haqiqah. Okay. If you see someone speaking about his spiritual state that causes him to exit the Sharia, don't go near him. Do not go near him. Okay. Do not go near such a person whose spirituality pushes him outside the Sharia. Al Junaid, Mundumat and Nuri Lam Yukber an Hakiqatis Sidki Ahadun. Lam Yukber an Hakiqatis Sidki Ahadun. Al Junaid said, Since An Nuri died, nobody has spoken about the reality of Sidq. Remember, Sidq is leaving every stone unturned. Ikhlas is sincerity. There's a big difference. Ikhlas means I'm only have one motivation here. One motive. I have no ulterior motives. That's ikhlas. And many, many people have ikhlas. Many people have ikhlas. Okay? Anyway, you see one of these good guys in the masjid, good person, he's a wonderful guy. He has ikhlas. There's a lot of guys with ikhlas. Why isn't there a lot of success then, if that's the case? Because very few have sitq. That's the thing. Who, what is sitq? Sitq is leaving no stone unturned. That's sitq. CEOs have sitq. They got, they got sitq. That's why they make their millions. But they got sitq in what? In the dunya. And they got the dunya. Allah gives, he's fair. He gave them what they asked for. What you worked for. Most people don't want sitq. They don't have sitq. They have ikhlas, but not sitq. You see a regular person. And by the way, your ikhlas is questionable now. Right? Your ikhlas is questionable. Uh, you see a poor man, he's not greedy. What does he have? He hasn't tasted money yet. Let's give him a million bucks. Let's give him a $100,000 salary, $200,000 salary, $350,000 salary. Let's now up his monthly salary to 35000 a month. Let's up that to 50000 a month. Let's increase his monthly salary to 75000 a month. Let's give him 90000 a month. Now, tell me. Does he have ikhlas and all those beautiful things you think he has? Let's just see. Allah is protecting most people. Okay? So, sidq is that you leave no stone unturned in pursuit of your goal. Okay? Ikhlas is usually a prerequisite to sidq. Because sidq, it also entails a singular focus. Part of sidq is that, let's say I'm doing X. That means, hey, you want to do Y? No. No to Y, no to Z, no to everything else. I'm just doing this, right? Part of sitq is to say no to all these other things. No to all these distractions. Sitq. Okay, so sitq oftentimes requires ikhlas. But sitq is more of in the action, and ikhlas is in the purpose. That's the difference. Ikhlas is deeper than sitq. So why are, why are you trying to succeed? You're trying to succeed for what reason are you trying to succeed? That's ikhlas. Why are you doing hifz of Quran? That's ikhlas. Why are you seeking knowledge? That's ikhlas. That's a question of ikhlas. That's the question. Sidq is now, how are you doing this? Are you saying no to distractions? 
Are you saying no to laziness? Are you getting up when the alarm goes off? Are you hitting the snooze button? I guarantee you, most people, they don't find success because they hit the snooze button. That's it. They cannot get up early, right? You can't get up early. You know what the trick is? Shut your eyes sometime later in the day, right? We're all human beings who need to, need to sleep. But the rizq, the khair, it's distributed in the morning. It's not distributed at dhuhr, at asr. Well, the whole world's awake at that time. If you want something, get up early, rest later in the day, if you can. Even like late morning, khalas, it's done with. When everyone's out and about, khalas. The, the, the angels that come with a special rizq from Allah and they distribute it to those who are awake in the early hours, the wee hours. Then there's something even more sacred, which is those who get up for tahajjud, right? So you get up for tahajjud, and you get up, let's say, from the entrance of Fajr to Ishraq. Everything else is leftovers after that. That's the main part of the day. One for your spirituality and one for your dunya. That's the main part of the day. And the Prophet even said, who sits, you don't have to necessarily be working at that those hours to receive the barakah and the, and the openings. you just being doing dhikr. Doing dhikr, do some light work. Or do some heavy work. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. You, you study Imam al-Haddad's work. So yeah. Imam al-Haddad, I just read this morning, he said that between dawn and fajr, or I guess dawn and the sunrise, I should say, dawn and the sunrise, that's the best time to make the wa for uh, material. Uh, you don't even need to make the dua. Oh, really? Just by being awake at that hour, doing dhikrullah, okay, you'll receive the Prophet wasallam said to sit, be awake at that hour. If you're doing work, fine. If you're doing dhikr, fine. Whatever you're doing, as long as you're awake, being productive, right? In deen or in dunya. The Prophet wasallam said, the rizq will come to you faster than if you had went to do business east and west. So these are the secrets of, uh, uh, of attaining success. But how are we going to... Uh, you have to have sitq because it's not easy to wake up. What is Allah asking you? Wake up. Okay, it's not easy to do that. Try it, all right. But once you get in the habit of it, then you're you're, you're you you start to feel. If you wake up at eight a.m., well, the day's done with class. The day for the arifin billah. If you wake up, say you sleep, you get up, you 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 sleepwalk to the bathroom to make wudu, right? You sleepwalk back. Zombie out two rakas of fudge and go back to bed. How many people do that, right? A lot of people. I know a guy who boasted one time. He said, I have perfected the ability to pray, to make wudu and pray fudge and go right back to bed and never be awake. Like never fully be awake. He's perfected it, he said. I said, that's what he's proud of, right? And he's perfected it, he said. It's Huh? He's, sleeping, it's not even he's like he's not sleeping but his brain he's like I, I make sure no lights on no flickering like irons or computers or anything nothing flickering make we do it with the lights off okay and do all that and then be able to go right back to bed he said he perfected it he's happy about that but that's where the blessing is very hard if you have to uh, balance that with, you know, also being at the job at 9 a.m. So maybe you could do it on weekends. He says here, 
I didn't see anyone doing more ibadah than Nodi or Junaid. Okay. Nodi says, كانت المراقع غطاء على الدر على الدر فصارت اليوم مزابل على جيف وقيل كان يخرج كل يوم من داره ويحمل الخبز معه ثم يتصدق به في الطريق ويدخل المسجد يصلي فيه إلى قريب الظهر ثم يخرج ويفتح باب حانوته ويصوم فكان أهله يتوهمون أنه يأكل في السوق وأهل السوق يتوهمون أنه يأكل في البيت بقي على هذا في ابتدائه عشرين سنة What was his habit? He would go out that day with his lunch He never makes it to, to, his, to his stall where he buys and sells with the food He gives it out He gives his lunch away all the time Okay Then he go to a masjid And if there will be a salah he would pray and he would do nawafil all the way to dhuhr. Okay? Then he would go to his his stall and he would sell. Okay? And he would fast. So, he, 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 he bought and sold. Muhammad al-Wasiti, the, 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 the Muslims have great akhlaq when it comes to buying and selling and we have aqidah based on buying and selling and that we don't have the capitalist philosophy that the Buying and selling is like the sacred deed. That's the sacred deed of capitalism is buying and selling. So the 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 Muslims have always been that if you sold enough for the day, you sold well for the day, you close up early and you let the other people sell. Recently, a Muslim restaurant uh, opened up next to another guy's restaurant. So what did the guy do? He shut his restaurant for a week. He took a vacation for a week. So the other guy could buy and sell and get customers. What's the aqidah that's behind this? There's no shortage of customers. There's no shortage of money. Share and Allah will help you, right? There is a corporatization. Recently, um, there, were, there, was a, there was a nice event. I wanted to tell everyone about it. Let's forget that. Even here, Sheikh Hamza Karamali's uh, uh, Kalam 3.0 and his organization, Basira. Someone said to me, oh, well, you're advertising for him? You're going to take viewers away from yourself. We're not capitalists here. We don't view things like this. It's benefit. Allah is pleased with that work, in my opinion. And I, he will be pleased with me if I share it with people. Do you think I'm going to lose out? I'm not going to lose out anything. Allah is going to cause someone who is sharing to lose out? No. All right. So, yeah, and it, it, within a decent and re- normal and acceptable way, right? Uh, his, the guy didn't shut his restaurant down. He just shut down for a few days. Like the weekend, sorry. It wasn't even the week. The weekend. Give him a weekend. Let him open up his business. There's no loss. The, the, the capitalists have a disease. Their aqidah is completely off. And they're the reason for so much harm, okay, is the capitalists. Because they destroy. Amazon is a destroyer of businesses now. Amazon used to be a place that was, everyone loved it because it's unbelievable. I order the thing, it's here, you know, before I X out, right? Before I complete the order, it's here now. Especially if you live in, in our area, for example, any area that now you live next to a warehouse and you order something simple, right? Some like regular household item, it's there. Before literally you get up from the computer sometimes, it's like here. 
Like, how did they do this? And, hey, I don't like it. Send it back. They don't even take their money back. They just swallow the loss, right? And so they won the loyalty in the hearts of people with that. But now I'm looking around and I'm seeing Amazon is making pencils. Amazon is making forks. Amazon is making tripods. Amazon's making foil. Why is that, Why are they doing this, right? They went in there, look at the top sellers, mimic that business, right? And they kill them. They, make, they, they, they suffer a loss for three months until that guy's out of business. Then they raise the prices. Once you keep doing that, you build up a resentment in the hearts. And some people argue with me, say, nah, that's nature of business. No, it's not in Islam. In Islam, you're not allowed to intentionally put another guy out of business. So if I go in and I open up my little shop and you got your shop and I go in for the first month and I start giving stuff away. That you suffer from that. I say, hold on a second. I just want to please my customers. The Qadi and the Shari, I will say, stop. This is haram what you're doing because you're pleasing those guys and destroying another guy. That guy lives off of his sales. The customers don't live off their purchases. Who's more important? We are, this is the extremely important difference between, the cap, between capitalism and sharia. And capitalism is a philosophy and aqidah. It's not just a philosophy of how to do business. It's beliefs about the importance of business, the role of business. Right? That there's literally, if you look at the, what is the true heartbeat of the society? Okay? The true heartbeat of the society is the, is the stock market. People's confidence in the stock market, right? That's the true heartbeat of the society. So wait a second. If buying and selling down goes goes up, we're happy. We in Islam say if you make money, mm, how you react to it is what matters. How you react to it. If you react to it by giving sadaqah and shukr, then it's a ni'mah. If you react to it by just spending it like a fool, right? Then you, you're losing out. If you react to it by doing sins, then it's a punishment. Okay? All right, next one. So this is why the capitalism, uh, subhanAllah, is... Uh, you gotta... You, if you're a Muslim, you gotta keep this stuff in mind. These people are... Look at these CEOs. Wake up. Five in the morning. Okay, run. Have some... You know, kombucha, whatever, whatever their wife makes them from Whole Foods, right? Or the housemaid. Then they show up at seven, imagining himself to be like doing these amazing work. What are you doing? You're buying and selling stuff. Really, but they, but let's say say Omar said they're more proud of their stuff. They work harder in their world than we work in our world. That's where the source of the problem is. Fear and desire, they are the two ropes of the horse, okay, that stop you from bad adab. What's the bad adab? You're sort of bored and not enthusiastic. What? No desire. This is the king you're talking to. You are talking to the king. He has so much. Have some desire, right? Get enthusiastic about things. Get energized. This, you are dealing with the king. Or too much confidence. 
Allah's ghafoor rahim. Now we're starting to flirt with sins and stuff. Fear. Have adab with fear. Oh, yes, he's, he's merciful. But by the nature of things, some people say, I cannot imagine Allah ever punishing me. Allah is so generous to me. He's so loving. And I love him. That's true. But he has created pain attached to sins. Allah loves you so much. Does that mean the fire doesn't burn you anymore? If you touch your hand on the stove, you're still going to get burnt. It has nothing to do with Allah loves you or not. It's a system he created. Sins are attached to them. Punishments. Bad things are attached to sins, right? Bad things are attached to fire. Put your head underwater, bad things are going to happen, right? It's just a create. It's created like that. Do zina of the eyes. You're going to have some, you know, there's there, and there's two levels of the bad things that happen. The first is the consequence of the sin. We all suffer from that. Anybody can suffer from that. The second is the actual wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that comes with your attitude. So yes, you may imagine yourself, I'm always trying to be obedient to Allah and good. I can't imagine his wrath coming upon you. Maybe, right? That's because you're making tawbah and you're trying. But when you commit sins, if you were to drink alcohol, you're going to get drunk, right? Bad things, you can have a car accident. All sorts of bad things happen. And when you take Allah's for prohibitions lightly, then no, don't say that you love him. You're lying. If you love him, you don't take it lightly. You love him, not yourself, right? Okay. إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى هَوَانَ عَبْدٍ أَلْقَاهُ إِلَى الْإِنْتَانِ وَالْجِفِ يعني صحبة الأحدث If Allah wills to humiliate a abd, He makes beloved to him the company of fools. He starts to love to keep the company of fools. Is the fool somebody who just merely talks nonsense? Or is the fool somebody who doesn't understand the nature of this life? Like a lot of these CEOs that people look up to that run these companies, right? And spend all their life buying and selling. Yeah, you know these guys, sometimes they have wisdom. They, you listen to them like, oh, they have wisdom. You can learn a lot from these successful people. But what can you learn of what Allah says? يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرَ الْحَيَةِ dunya. Allah attributed to them knowledge. He said, they know. Ya'lamun. He says, Ya'lamun. They know stuff. You can learn a ton from these guys. But what is it? They're totally unaware of the real thing that's about to happen. Right? The real reality of what's about to happen. What would you think of somebody who spends all their time on the high school basketball team knows everything in and out on the, all the basketball, the, the high school uh, teams, knows how to play, will win us the championship, okay? But he doesn't study, right? You look at him and you're like, all right, you peaked very early. You peaked in high school. You are the champ in high school. But, but the moment we all graduate, everyone's going to nice schools and get real educations and real life starts to hit, and where are you going? You're not going anywhere. So that is a person, yes, he knows something. There's no doubt. He achieved something. His jersey may be hanging from uh, the, 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 the rafters and his name will be up on the most points scored and will have the championship and will be in the newspaper until senior year. Once you graduate, you're nothing. You are a zero, right? 
And so that person is a fool. So fool is not just somebody who talks nonsense and can't manage money. The fool is also someone who has no awareness of the akhirah. They're fools. You can learn a lot of, from these people of the dunya. And you should learn from them because we should know about the ways of success more than they are. It's more of our right because we're going to do better with it. Then what are they going to do? Buy yachts, buy planes, right? Uh, SubhanAllah, every time I look at these people buying yachts, buying planes, but you can't change your aging process, right? Like what is the value of all this stuff? Some of you see these guys, 68, 69, oh, brand new yacht. Yeah, but you're like, why don't you get brand new skin? Get brand new skin, right? Get, brand, get a brand new head of hair, right? The stuff that Allah gave you, right? And Allah takes it away. And you have no control over it. And they're trying. And it's getting, it's, it, the experiments are not pretty. These guys who transform, like Sylvester Stallone, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Just age like a grace. There's no way to age gracefully. Aging gracefully is with spirituality. That's it. Aging gracefully is this. You see this, man? This is not, this is not aging gracefully. This is aging with sanctity. These are awliya Allah. Aging with sanctity. They didn't attain this because they wanted to as a retirement hobby. They've been working towards this. The nearness to Allah. This is the book we're going to read next after Stories of the Awliya. Look at these shiuk. These are the shiuk. Excited for okay? this one. Just look at these shiuk. They dress like kings. Look at them. We need to show the pictures also when we're doing it. Can you get them when we do I this? I can put them up. Yeah, yeah. Where are we going to nab them from? Peter Sanders' website? Take pictures. Or just take pictures. Yeah, just take pictures. Oh, my. Look at this. Look, that's how you age as a Muslim. We're going to make this next section quality. Yeah. Next uh, stories about you. Yeah. yeah. Subhanallah Azim. Uh, you got a guy, 70 years old, with his shirt off on a yacht and his shorts on. Man. You, you you bought all this. What is this for? You can't even enjoy it. You're going to fall asleep. You're going to urinate in your pants. You're so old, right? You can't even enjoy it anymore. And by the way, no women, you paid for these women to be around you. No one would want to cut, touch that, you know, wrinkly bag of skin like that. But what do the, what do the awliya do? They live a whole nother life that Allah opens for them. Habib, that life, you have to work for it. وَقَالَ جَعَلُوا سُوءَ أَدَبِهِمْ إِخْلَاصًا That first step is hanging. Thank you. جَعَلُوا سُوءَ أَدَبِهِمْ إِخْلَاصًا وَشَرُّهُ نُفُوسِهِمْ أَنْبِسَاطًا وَجَنَاءَةِ الْهِمَمِ جَلَادَةِ فَعَمُوا عَنَ الطَّرِيقِ Listen to what he says about أهل الدنيا. And I'm all about succeeding in the dunya, but you got to succeed in the akhirah too, otherwise it's pointless. Some people, they say, they have bad manners, and they say, well, at least we're telling the truth. We have ikhlas. We just tell the truth. We tell it how it is. You think it's bad, we tell it how it is. All right. There's, I think, a typo here. And indulging their egos... They call it happiness. 
Okay. Just having a good time, indulging their egos. And their low desires for the akhirah, they call that strength. Meaning, I work 18-hour day. All you're chasing is the dunya, right? These guys aren't heroes. These are idiots. Yeah, you may know something that we could learn something from that we're going to apply to maybe 10% of our life. But you are an idiot, okay? All these business moguls, I know all about them, right? I studied all of them. When you zoom out to know that there exists something called the akhirah, all of your knowledge becomes like 2% importance. You are nothing but another idiot chasing the dunya, right? Although within that little realm, you're at the top of the mountain. They are definitely at the top of the mountain. They know stuff. They figured stuff out. But what did they figure out? 50 years in comparison to eternity. Now, some of them, of course, you know, they don't know any better. I know all that stuff. They don't know any better. They never got the doubt. I know all that stuff. I'm just saying in general. Okay. So he said all this has blinded them. Okay. And taken them into the narrow straits. When these people, lovers of the dunya, they never, nothing good grows out of their company. Okay? And nothing, uh, it takes a lot of ibadah to purify them. Okay? If they speak, it is only of this world. All right? So he's speaking about those people who are knowingly seeking out this dunya and avoiding the akhirah. He's not talking about those who don't know any better, all that stuff. We're reading here from Ar-Risal al-Qushayriya. And we're on the last page of Risal al-Qushayriya. Now, by the way, though, do not underestimate the dunya. You must have some dunya. Okay? You got to be good at the dunya. Whether you like it or not, PSCNG wants your money, the electric company, the water company, the Islamic schools, the colleges, the in-laws, the kids, the soccer team, okay? The latest sneaker fad that you don't want your kids to miss out on so they don't, uh, you know, get a complex. Many people think that. Oh, if he misses out on the latest fad, he's going to get a complex. He's not going to get a complex, right? He's going to suck it up. Sometimes you get, sometimes you don't. Why do we underestimate kids so much? Oh, if we don't give him every single thing he wants, he's going to have a complex. He's not going to have a complex. He's going to suck it up. One time you get, one time you don't. Right? Nine times you get, one time you don't. Fine. How's that? Right? Someone's saying they're Elon Musk. Elon Musk knows a lot, but only of the dunya. He knows a lot about the dunya. See, that's the thing. He knows a lot about the dunya. And what is the dunya relative to actual existence? It's nothing. It's a sliver. It's a little sliver. Okay. One time he Abu Bakr al Wasati okay, passed by on the day of Jummah uh, a shop. Okay. While on the way to the masjid. His shoe strap, his sandal strap ripped. So the store owner, he says, Can I fix it for you? Uh Aslah sis. Uh, all right uh so i fixed it for him i fixed a sandal strap he said to me 
Do you know why it was cut? Do you know why my sandal strap ripped at this very moment? He said, no. He said, لِأَنِّ مَغْتَسَلْتُ لِلْجُمَعَةِ I didn't take the ghusl of Jummah. Okay. فَقُلْتُ لَهُ يَا سَيْدِي هَا هُنَا حَمَّامْ تَدْخُلْهُ He said, come into this bathroom. I have a hammam. I have a place that you can take a shower in. فَقَالَ نَعَمْ فَأَدْخَلْتُهُ الْحَمَّامْ فَاغْتَسَلْ He said, yes. I would love that. And he went in and he took a ghusl. So what is that telling us? That's telling us that the awliya don't look at what happens. They look at why is this is this happening in relation to my deen of some sorts. It's happening for a reason. Two, two more biographies left. Muhammad al-Warraq. He said, Man Whoever pleases his body with desires, He plants in his heart the tree of regrets. What are the pleasures that you're allowed to to indulge in the pleasures that the opposite of it would be haram. So zina is haram, wife is halal, right? Husband is halal. That pleasure is ibadah. But the just that, so why the Prophet himself, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, said that you get rewarded when one of you goes to his wife, and they said, "O Master of Allah, we enjoy it. We get rewarded too." He said, do you not see if you had went into the haram, you would have got sins? So likewise, if you went to the halal, you get rewards. What else are you allowed to indulge in? The food of the righteous. You're allowed to indulge in the cooking of righteous people. Okay, those things, we're allowed to indulge in those things. Okay. If, and if greed... Was asked the question if you if you took greed and you asked the question who's your dad he would have say doubt about Allah's qada and qadr doubt about Allah's promise to give us rizq that's why the the aqidah of a Muslim is that there's no shortage of money there's no shortage of customers there's no shortage of anything whereas the aqidah of the the the, the pure only the one who believes only in the seen world his aqidah is uh, his aqidah is what he sees only so that there is always a shortage because his aqidah is only what you see all right based upon what you see that's the difference between us and them it's not materialist is not the right word that's not the right word it's not the quranic language we believe everything has a material barakah that comes down from the heavens is a material everything has a material besides allah Every created thing has a level of material. The question is, the seen or the unseen? Why are these, these people, these atheist materialists, what we call the materialists, they limit what exists to what is seen? We say no. No. There's unseen too. There's a lot more. What's the difference between us and them? They don't accept transmitted knowledge. We accept transmitted knowledge. Why don't they accept transmitted knowledge? You can't blame them. Because the Bible wasn't transmitted properly. It wasn't preserved. So you can't blame them for rejecting transmitted knowledge, right? But for us, the Qur'an was transmitted properly, right? So we have no issues with that, okay? The Qur'an was transmitted properly, so we can accept the Qur'an and the Hadith, okay? If it was said, مَا حرفتك, If greed was asked, what is your job? What is your trade? He said, I earn people humiliation. And what's your purpose? 
deprivation, to deprive them. Okay. Next. Al-Hussein ibn, ibn Yazdanir. He was a scholar and a wara, and he, and he was from Armenia. Oh, you know, the Armenians hate Muslims now. He's Armenian. Yazdanir. Uh, how, do, how do all their names end? Armenians. How do Armenians' names end? What's the main suffix that they have? Ah, uh, Ian. Uh, yeah, Ian. Ian is the main. If you see anyone with the last name of I A N in their last name, that's Armenian. Right? قَالَ إِيَّاكَ أَن تَطْمَعَ فِي الْأُنْسِ بِاللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَأَنْتَ تُحِبُّ الْأُنْسِ بِالنَّاسِ He said, don't dare claim that you love to be alone with Allah while simultaneously loving uh, and getting a kick out of the company of people. Like uns, the people's attention. Do you like people's attention? It's taking away from your love of Allah's attention. They cannot have both. It's One is like their opposites. So... Loving people's attention is a big problem these days in terms of social media. And people see, oh, I, mashallah, I got five likes, I got ten likes, I got all this, that, and the other. Uh, okay. Don't claim that you love, that you, uh, love Allah when you are always going to excess in everything. Why are you going to excess to fill a void? Well, hold on. You can't claim this. You love Allah. If you truly loved Allah, that void will be filled. Yeah. Do never claim that you love a status with Allah when you crave the praise of people and the status of people. Lies, he's saying. Why? They're opposites. Now, Imam al-Qushayri says, this is our advice to all those who seek Allah. Nas'alullah al-Karima lahum at-tawfiq. We ask Allah tawfiq. Wa la yaj'alaha wabalan alayna. And that he does not make this book a test for us. Wa qad anjazna imla'a hadhihi al-risala. We have completed this epistle. Fi awa'ili sanat thaman wa thalathin in the Beginning of the year 8 and 30 and 400, 438 of the Hijrah, which is equivalent to the year 1446 of the common era. Nas'alullah al That we ask Allah that it not be a proof against us. The extra uh, goodness from Allah, we have become accustomed to it. And he's described by forgiveness. And we thank Allah the gratitude that he and the praise that he deserves. And that is the end of Al-Risala Al-Qushayriya. It has spanned us maybe a Several, several months, eight months maybe, that we've been receding from that. And we will now read from meetings with mountains. And as we speak, starting from next 
stories of the Awliya next Thursday, and Omar will will be taking pictures, these pictures with us manually, and sharing the pictures so that we can know exactly who we're talking about. So Omar, uh, you can do that. Inshallah. You know, you take all the pictures in one shot in one day, right? And and uh, there are Awliya here from Morocco, West Africa, Egypt, Sudan, Swahili, Comoros Islands, Yemen. Hejaz, Jerusalem, Turkey, Syria, India, Pakistan, Central Asia, China, Malay Archipelago, the British Isles. Big book, and inshallah we'll all benefit from it. Okay. All right, let's go to the Q&A. Habib, what's happening? You good? I did have one general question about talking about wealth and mm-hmm. the distribution of wealth. Um, if there is a, a need in the um, uh, yeah. certain things, um, and this is, the consensus is that there is a need for something. Yeah. And you talked about how you know some people particularly CEOs in these spaces, they focus so much on the dunya. There's a capitalist bent to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of Muslims who have a great amount of wealth. Obviously, they can spend on what they want to spend on. You know, yeah. It's permissible. But is there, are they in the wrong if they don't help those movements that uh, need to be filled or those efforts that need to be filled because they just want to acquire more wealth? Or is it something where it's, they have a right to just do with the wealth as they see fit. No, the wealthy will be harmed by their wealth if they don't give sadaqah. We can't say they're sinful, but they will suffer an after effect. If all they do is pay their zakah, they pay their zakah and then they indulge in the dunya. So on the day of judgment, nothing bad is happening in their book, but they're creating a scenario for themselves where bad things will happen, including they may be forced into some sinful behaviors. You're creating yourself a life and a situation and beasts around you. Your, your family, they will become beasts. They will become these like animals, uh, spoiled, rotten, and they will create for yourself a very bad situation. No, they never have a family. No, they're all messed up. But when they, but I've seen so many Muslims do it right. Like I know Muslims that have um, serious, serious wealth, like absurd wealth. They do it right. You know that they're wealthy, but you don't know they're insanely wealthy. Right? All right, Q&A is opening up. What are some practical ways modern Muslim men can find purpose? Directly from the Quran. What is the purpose Allah gives us? Start obeying Allah, start following the Sharia, and your purpose will open up for you. Okay. How do you interpret the Quran's command to make ablution after touching women? Uh, It means... Touching with pleasure, if pleasure is intended or derived. Okay. Calendar system. Yeah, there are two calendar systems. There's a hijri for our, our religious dates and things that relate to the heavens. And there, there can be, you can use a solar calendar for that which relates to business. And they used to do that for farms, obviously. Okay. Everyone, even 
Muslims in the past used to uh, uh, use two calendars, one for their farming and one for the one for the sun and one for the moon. Total different ways of measuring. We have two ways of measuring. What's worse, alcohol or pork? Alcohol, because alcohol leads to loss of intellect, which causes you to do other bad things. Alcohol is always in a place that is always surrounded by other sins. Pork, it's a rarer sin for a Muslim to commit because it's not an addiction. It's not an att- attraction. So it's, it's rarely something. It's not as addictive. That's why alcohol is worse. Definitely alcohol is worse. The prophet himself said it is the mother of sins. Okay. Mother meaning it's the source. It causes you to do more sins. Okay. Sister has her father-in-law is on a dialysis and needs surgery. May Allah ta'ala nasallallahu alayhi wa rabbil arsh alayhim an yashfiyah. Nasallallahu alayhi wa rabbil arsh alayhim an yashfiyah. Nasallallahu alayhi wa rabbil arsh alayhim an yashfiyah. If someone has a daily wird of la ilaha illallah, should they say Muhammad Rasulullah in between how often? They can do La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is one of the dua that the Habayib said is the best dhikr possible. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, what about the book Key to the Garden? It's one of the best books. It's by Imam uh, um, Ahmad Mashur al-Haddad. When you make dua for a rizq, is, is it khilaf al-adab if you specify the dollar amount? Not if it's, it's a debt against you. When it's a debt against you and I need to pay, let's say, $500,000 and you ask Allah to repayment of the debt and you need the $500,000, oh Allah, where am I going to get $500,000? That's acceptable. It's not khilaf al-adab. And it's also not khilaf al-adab if that's all you want. Um, uh, and you say, I, I, I want $500,000 to do certain things with it I, because I, I calculated, you know, I'm going to buy a house, then I'm going to buy a car, then I'm going to pay a dowry, right? And then I'll have an, enough left for a little investment. Right, so I need like $1.5 million. So it's okay to make a dua for that because you have, you've calculated out a reason for that. That's fine. Is it permissible to close the eyes while praying salah and sujood? It's makruh because it's the way of the Jews and Christians. Major difference between Madiki and Shafi'i madhab since Shafi'i was Madik's student. Good question and simple answer to that is that Malik used to say that after the Quran, the strong, the Sunnah is composed of the mutawatir hadith, the hadith that were very widely spread. No one doubts those hadiths. The Prophet said it over and over and over and over. And um, the second source of the Sunnah, the Sunnah is composed now of a second thing, which is called Amal Ahl al-Madinah. Whatever the people and the scholars of Medina have agreed upon is mutawatir. Mutawatir means it's so widespread there's no discussion about it. Like it's mutawatir that the sun rises from the east. There's no discussion on it. It's mutawatir that the Revolutionary War happened in 1776. No discussion about that, right? So, um, the, he said, Amal Ahl al-Medina. What the, what the Muslims all publicly do as part of worship, how they pray, how they call the adhan, their weights and measures, right? The size of the mud, what they wear. They, the public religion of the peop, of, uh, that every Muslim does, 
and the conclusions of the Medinan scholars who were children and grandchildren of the companions, he said, that is a reflection of the sunnah. After the number three after that is the sound hadith that was not mutawatir. Sound hadith of like one or two chains only. A shafi'i came, studied with Malik, went to Iraq, studied with the students of Abi Hanifa, then started planning out his own conclusions. And his conclusion was, I disagree with Malik on the amal. I find that it's not as uniform as he claims it to be. They differed a lot more than what he claims. And he wrote a book on it. Okay, And so he removed amal ahl al-Madinah from the methodology, from the definition of what constitutes the sunnah of the Prophet. He removed the amal. And hence, he goes from mutawatir hadith to non-mutawatir sound hadith. Remember, tawatir is how far the hadith spread. Ahad is that it was only transmitted by one or two sahaba. So that's what we call ahad hadith, solitary hadith. Okay. So that's the difference between the two. So the difference in them is in the methodology. That's like the main difference. Luqman said, what about ruling, touching, reciting Quran while on a dialysis? As long as you have wudu. Being on the dialysis does not break the wudu. What's the best way to attract the love of Allah? Is to be good to the parents, to be good to the vulnerable, to be good to the poor, right? And to remember Allah much. And simultaneously to avoid much indulgence of the dunya. What do we do if a members of the family make fun of Islam in front of us? Can we cut them off? Yes, you can. Make fun of Islam. That's almost close to apostasy. An act that really is hovering around apostasy. Okay? And that is a permiss- permissible reason not to talk to somebody if it's your mother and father then you don't talk to them about that and you still be you would still have to help them in the matters of the dunya okay what's the minimum amount of hair I can cut for Umrah to be complete I think in the Shafi school it's just one lock of hair but in the Hanafi and Maliki school you have to cut a small piece of every hair shorten all of the hair Okay. Next question. My daughter's Islamic school has implemented a late fee for missed tuition. Isn't the concept of a late fee a form of riba? Yeah, it's invalid. Late fees are invalid. Uh, they are invalid um, clauses in contracts. Sinful. Should we look up in hope or down in shame when making tawbah? Either whatever is your heart is uh, inclining to at that time. Moab, do we have to believe Adam was actually 90 feet tall? No. Imam Malik did not accept that hadith. Imam Malik said no. But Ashafi and others, they transmitted it. I mean, Bukhari and others, they accept it. Yep, they accept that. People who call us grave worshippers, what do they say about praying at the Kaaba? Well, of course, their argument is that what well, we do what the Prophet did. At grave worshippers, there could be Munkar as Habib Abu Bakr. Uh, Al-Adani said, yeah, the Sufis have munkar, right? There's munkar. Wrong things happen 
by Sufis. Why, why? But it's not shirk because the Prophet ﷺ said, my ummah will not suffer from shirk again. We won't say shirk. We can say it's munkar. We can say sinful. We can say bid'ah. We can say excesses. But it would not remove you from Ahl sunnah nor would you be a mushrik. Simple as that. They are our brothers in Ahl sunnah Their aqeed is sound and everything is sound. But they may have some munkar, right? In what they do with the grave, at the graves. He also said in that same video, in that same talk, he said Salafi is a wonderful concept. Who would not want to be like the Salaf? But do you do it right? Or are you only focusing on some ahadith and then being mean with the ummah? Okay? Right? You're being rough with the ummah. Is that the way of the Salaf? Okay? What is going, what is going on here? Let me read that. Okay, what if our parents or children that are going into the wrong way, they are Muslim, but isn't cutting ties a bit harsh for people who love to be together in Jannah, inshallah, says Masitamisdi. The answer to that is that you should not be overconfident about your own Islam and you should follow the Sharia. When, insofar, when people mock the religion of Allah, Allah Himself commands us to stay away from them. You will not find believers loving and having good, uh, friendly, nice relations with those who are open adversaries to God and His Prophet. Allah knows better than us. We can get affected by that. Do not assume you're immune. And you are offending Allah by that. So if a, if a person calls your mother a slut, and your daughter a little whore. Oh, he's still family. Let's still be around him. Or is that relationship cut right away? Tell me the truth. That relationship is done with. Right? Until you apologize. But okay, yes, he still believes, you know, he call, my daughter's like this or that, and my mom's like this or that. But, you know, it's a family. Let's keep together. No, you're not taking into account that Allah is angered by the one who mocks his prophet and his religion. And who angers and who mocks him because he's the source of all life and all goodness. So that's one aspect. The second aspect is that uh, if you truly love to be together in Jannah and you love them, then you will stop them as fast as possible. If you had a baby, two-year-old baby, doesn't know any better, walking right towards uh, uh, the steps of the basement, and you know these basement steps, unfinished basement steps are tough, rough, bottom is concrete. Don't you do anything it takes to stop this from happening, even if it means diving and pushing him away, and he hits his head and he cries. But that's far better than going down the steps and, and maybe cracking his head. You stop it at any way, shape, or form. Immediately. If you truly claim that we want to love each other and be together in Jannah, stop it immediately. And the way to stop it immediately, Allah is telling us, we're done with. We have no relationship if this continues. That's how you stop it immediately. Not let them indulge in poison, glug, 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 glug on the poison. And you were looking. MashaAllah, we're a good family. We like to be each other. May Allah help him. No, you stop him immediately, right? And if he pushes you back, you punch him. And if he punches you back, you get a broom stick. You all saw that, that clip? Of that guy who was robbing stuff. And those Hindu guys come with the broomstick, right? (laughs) If he pushes, if he's insisting, glugging down poison, right? It's not poison, it's good. 
right? You stop him by any means necessary. You don't sit there watching. But the difference is we haven't ma qadrullah haqqa qadri. We ha- we haven't realized the ext- the, the 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 magnitude of Islam and the magnitude of Allah and his messenger. And and how going against them is worse than downing poison. It is 10 times worse than someone downing poison or a baby falling off the steps into the basement. It's, it's, your life will be altered. Permanent alteration if we go that route. That is kufr. That is, you essentially wage war with Allah and His Messenger. And I'd like to hear that person's thoughts after that. All right. They don't realize how huge it is what they're doing. And many Muslims, they, that when they accept it, it's only because they don't realize, like, you are actually just, those are fighting words with the heavens, right? The angels are cursing you now. Everything about you is going to be cursed. War is being waged on you, okay? Keep going down. All right, here's another question. What? Um, keep going down. Other way, other way. Huh? No, other way. Yeah. Keep going down. Keep going down. We did these, okay. Okay. Did the Prophet ever divorce any of his wives? Yes, he did. All right. How do you balance between being detached from the dunya? the good and the bad that happens to you and wanting to have a good dunya for your family and to be able to give sadaqah. You separate between what is for me and what is for them. Okay. And so, for example, detachment of the dunya, as long as you are not, the dunya is not causing you to leave off your, your ibadah and your deen, then you are detached from the dunya. You're, you're detached to, a, to a, a sound and workable degree, right? We're not talking of the detachment of those Zuhad who, when he desired a type of date, he denied him himself that date for 30 years. Those are another level. Those are like the bodybuilders of spirituality. They're another level. We need a workable, we need a workable um, detachment. So what is my ibadah, my obligations, and my nafil? Some people have a, a level of nafilah that they always do. As long as my dunya, seeking the dunya, does not take me away from that, oh, I'm good to go. What about what people say about us and stuff? All right, how do I measure that? What are you doing? Let's say I'm running a charity operation. All right, if people praise you, okay, do you take your foot off the pedal? If yes, that means you're affected by it. Right, you like you got what you wanted. Now, if people criticize you, do you pack the shop, pack it up, and go home, or do you show up next day and still do it? So you you prove by your actions that you're not affected, and that is how we measure if our attachment is sound or unsound. So it's not, although it's something inside, it has an external scoreboard. That's how we measure it. If my Arabic is not good, will Salah be accepted? Yes, as long as you pronounce it closely to the correct pronunciation. How do you deal with living in a community that is not upon the same manhaj you're upon? 
join them in what is acceptable and what is in agreement with us and don't join them in what is not and don't argue speak about only what you agree upon uh fdx uh says good sira book i again my philosophy on sira books buy all of them and read all of them because what one covers uh will the other will not cover and so on so one may cover a lot but be a bad style one may have a great style but not cover a lot right and you'll get to see where the mistakes are too all right what was that one what should i say to my sister uh, what should I say to my sister who's losing faith and living a haram lifestyle? It's a tough situation, but mainly you don't want to talk a lot. You want to expose her to a new friend group somehow, right? You, that's what, that's really what you want to do. All right. Where are we at on launch? Good. The question is asking, we are at $12,668. What are we doing on Omra for youth? We're trying to send these young people to Umrah in the winter time when that's only time really high schoolers can go in a moderate temperature. Okay. Cause you don't, you can't underestimate the heat. And if you're not used to the heat and you take some high schoolers there from America there, they really won't benefit that much. They will be really suffering. Right. Um, so I want to try to take them in the winter time, but it's very expensive. So we're slashing $1,300 off of all. Okay our uh off of all the omra packages okay and then we are if you want to see what we all look like after we shaved our heads i'm there right in the middle there with the shaved head at the top and then uh, at the bottom there all right you can see the before and after right and we're at 12 6 8 8 and all i ask people is their penny pennies coins nickels dimes the least you could do is a dollar according to launch goods so a dollar and one cent Okay, that's all we're asking people to just nickel and dime here and there, right? Dink and dunk, and we'll get our way to $25,000. That's what we're going to, $25,000. Yeah. You can all, uh, all right, next question. What are the guidelines and conditions for following an opinion in the Maliki school that is not mashhur? It's hardship. If you find difficulty in following the mashhur, then you may follow the weaker opinion. Okay. If it's if you find a mashaka, mashaka is the next level down. So, darura, life and death, haja, loss of limb, like losing a limb or being homeless, like life will fully altered. Mashaka is the next level. It's just hardship. It's like a hassle, right? A, a unnecessary hassle that will allow you to take the lesser opinion. Does the woman need to cover her head if she's making dhikr in private? It's better, but it's not necessary, but it's better to do so. Okay. What's the proof of that? Is that more angels come when the, the head is covered. When Jibreel salam came to say to Khadija, she had some knowledge about angels. She uncovered her hair. He left. She covered her hair. He came. So there, they say that if you want to attract more angels, you cover your hair. But of course, with Allah, it's going to be accepted and valid. No doubt. No difference. Do you have any plans on visiting South Africa? I want to visit all these lands, countries of Muslims. South Africa. What else is the one that we haven't gone to yet? Well, Toronto. Dallas. Uh, what else? Singapore. And Malaysia and Indonesia. Uh, uh, Al-Yaban. 
I don't know what I'm going to do there, though. Who's going to translate for me? And how many people are going to be there in Japan? I'll go to Japan. I'll sit in one mosque, and I'll do a one-week intensive. We'll go, yeah. But the key would be to... I, I, what is better, to sit in one masjid and sit with them for a long period of time or to bounce and go to, like, ten different masjid? Yeah. That's true. You, you, you got to go more than once to have an impact. Is Turkey a good place for Talib Ilm and Hijrah? The answer is yes. And you have to go? All right. Assalamu alaikum. Answer is yes. And we have our guy there. We got our correspondent there. If you want to, you send a message to infosafinasai.org and we'll connect you to him. Are all of the hadith in the Muatta Mutawatir? I don't know about Mutawatir, but they're very they're all solid and strong and widely known hadith. But I cannot tell you that every single one is mutawatir in itself. Hey, uh, Omar, um, Omar Spot, is it ready for us to, uh, to, to share stuff? Okay. Is celebrating the Mawlid annually a bid'ah? Yes, a good bid'ah. No, it's not even a bid'ah. It's uh, permissible. It falls under... It's not even permissible. It could be, it's a permissible thing. It can be rewarded. How is that? All celebrations fall under the category of what you're celebrating and how you celebrate it. So there's not a single scholar in Islam that said celebration is haram. They all said it's about what you celebrate and how you celebrate so what is being celebrated in the Mawlid? The Prophet ﷺ, that Allah made him our Prophet, that he came into this world. Okay, everything about him, that's the subject. How is it being celebrated? By going to the masjid, by singing qasidas, by making dua, by doing dhikr, by feeding people. So you get rewarded for those things. So overall, it's a rewardable, okay, bid'ah. Okay. Next question. This is not a fiqhi question, but why are Qadiani so active nowadays? My uncle had a Qadiani follow him home from a restaurant and try to invite him to his cult. No, they're not even Muslim. Give them da'wah. Qadiani believes in prophethood after the Prophet. If my Arabic is not good, will Salah be accepted? We answered that one. Yes, it will be. As long as the the Arabic, the Quran is recognizable what you're reciting. Any blessings in money made from cooking haram? Nope. That money, you have to give it away and it's not going to be charity. You just unload it. How do I unload it? You unload it for other people to benefit from something dirty. For example, toilet paper for the mosque. That's what you do. Let's say I made a sale through an unlawful item that I sold, right? I came upon a bottle of wine in the streets. I sold it. I got back, I don't know, 100 bucks. Right? So what do I do with that $100? I go and I order toilet paper worth $100 from Amazon. Okay? Or I physically buy it from the store. Okay? And then I, uh, I go to the masjid and I drop it off there. Something that will be used for dirtiness.
Okay. Is Zabih Hamid a big deal since America is technically a Christian country? Since we're getting technical, please inform us where it says it's a Christian country. That's number one. And secondly, where does it ever say, I'm not saying really to this person, but where you got that information, where does it say that we may eat the, the food of a country? Does the country produce food or do private companies produce food? Who produces the food? I've never seen U.S. government Christian slaughterhouse. No. Tyson's makes chicken. Different companies make chicken, right? Release chicken to the population. So the concept of Christian country is a mistake that was promoted by your own. What's his name? Asim al-Hakim. Hey, mashallah, he's a, he, he, he's a really nice brother. Uh, and he has some knowledge, but he has a lot of mistakes too. And we have to say um, that that is a mistake, Okay. Uh, that's a mistake. So uh, we say about that that uh, it's not really good uh, to, to that he released that fatwa because first he didn't even live here. Secondly, all right, all right. Uh, where does it say America is a Christian country? Thirdly, the countries don't produce chicken. People produce chicken. People slaughter chicken, right? People are the one who slaughter this stuff. No, that's excessive. Yeah, that's excessive. Nobody does that. And ulama don't do that. Shiuk don't do that. They eat the meat and the chicken that Muslims say is halal. And the thing is that if you want to... Uh, uh, it, it is important because Allah has commanded that the slaughter, that the meat has to be slaughtered. That means the vein has to be cut. A Christian can do it, a Muslim can do it, or a Jew can do it. But you have to ensure that the, the, the vein is cut. That is the key. The, the jugular vein is cut. In the Shafi school, it's only three hairs that has to be cut for Umrah. Okay, thank you for that. Can Shaitan take a form very close to the form of the Prophet in our dreams to trick us? No, I don't think believe so. Cannot take a form of the Prophet or anything close to it. Allah, Allah knows best. Okay. Even if the America was a Christian country, they negated their Christianity by loving the Ligbidikil. Who else? They did did of Christianity. Last question. Regarding being a picky eater, some autistic people people struggle to eat foods of certain textures and struggle with certain smells. Is that wrong for them? I think they have a different judgment. And Allah knows best. They may have a different judgment. But let's also take into consideration there's a whole new generation of, no offense, but moms that inculcate in their child the love of allergies. Right? And I call, you know, they, 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 they just believe in it. More so than it's like a fact. Right? One little thing happened maybe. Oh, you're allergic. Right? And then it gets in his head, and now he gets actually gets a reaction, right? But it's psychosomatic at some point. But you see that there is a culture among some moms. It's a whole culture. It's a whole hypochondria type. What are they? Aren't they called that? But look it up, hypochondriac, where obsessed with sicknesses. 
and allergies, right? Yes. And oh, you have attention deficit. You have this. You have this. Don't dare to eat this. And they have saran wrapped the kid's life, right? And he cannot breathe, all right? Uh, it, it, it's something that people mock all the time because it, it, it's the comedians have caught on to it because it's actually something that uh, we all see in society. And you see these kids, they never turn out right. They don't turn out good. They turn out extremely, extremely fragile and made fun of by the other kids. Made fun of by the other kids. Absolutely mocked. What's wrong with you, man? COVID, you know, huh? COVID, I think, baited a lot of these people out. Yeah. Like, after the pandemic ended, whoever yeah. was still, like, going crazy with the mask and stuff, you yeah. can tell. You can tell. You can tell. Like, why are you still wearing a mask? Like, Yeah. And I know some people were still wearing a mask yeah. until a few weeks ago, right? And I'm telling you that um, allergies, yeah, I mean, people have one or two allergies here and there, right? But laundry lists, right? Lists to the point that um, they never sit with us, they don't eat... Like, no, it's like something's wrong here. It's kind of productive because, like, our immune systems are built so that the more you're exposed to it, the stronger you become. Thank you. Uh, the more you're exposed to things, as long as it's not toxic, like spray or something, right? You know, the spray all over the floors. That's a difference, right? There's a difference between a man-made chemicals and actual natural stuff out there. And the more you expose, logically, the stronger your immune system gets. Do you know that boogers strengthen your immune system? And kids are always, their boogers are entering their mouth. And then they eat their boogers. There's probably some wisdom behind that, right? You look at little kid, and he'll be playing for an hour with the snot coming down into his mouth. And he's licking, right? He's just licking. He has no clue, right? Going at it. Now, subhanAllah, after all that time, Allah has a wisdom in that. It strengthens his immune system, okay? And the position of the booger, subhanAllah. Exactly. Like if, if it automatically goes automatically down. Automatically goes down. If... It was najis wow. or something. Look where the najasa is. That's down, funny. right? The najasa is all down in the human body. The boogers is here, right? So it's naturally like meant to come down for children, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the children get stronger from that, right? And eating food off of the grass or off the floor. As long as you don't know that there's some toxic man-made thing there, eat it off the ground. Not five-second rule. Five days, five weeks, right? Huh? I know, I'm sure. I'm sure. But those are those are some methods. Those are my own. Everyone's got their own. What do they call them? Like uh, grandma's old techniques, right? I got my own techniques, right? Get grimy early in life. You have a better immune system, grimy. right? If you look at the old generation, like they would be sick. Yep. Like bed, should be bedridden. Yep. Like, yep. Oh, go <laughs> yeah, they move, I'm right? Like, oh, she's sick. I'm like, take a day off. Yeah. Like, miserable. I'm like, nah, no, they don't know what a day off is. They don't know what a day off is. Yep. <laughs> now I call the peanut allergy generation. <laughs> I'm telling you, I told you I had practiced the other day, and one kid is lagging behind. What are you? What's wrong with you now? Every time it's a time to run, oh, I have this. Oh, my kneecap is that. My ankle's this. I was like, okay, tell me what else. Peanut allergy, ADHD. What's up with you, right? Listen, if we get invaded, we're in trouble. We're in right? trouble. We are. If there's ever a ground. Put my hands up. Force of again against the United States anytime in the next ten years, and we got to rely on some of these kids. Oh man, the kids are going to be in the trenches and 
gets the food that I need in three days. He's going to read the ingredients. Can't eat this. It's a peanut allergy. Oh, my god! Kids are going to, like, shoot like it's Call of Duty. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to have that. Oh, dang. We're going to go to war. They're going to give him a gun. No, no, my mom said no. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I'm just messing around with these people. Uh, I, uh, I says, I, I was a gym teacher. Literally everyone I had, one girl who would constantly make an excuse saying, I have cramps. The whole semester. I'm telling you. Right? And not only that, you insult everybody. These people with the allergies and the fake allergies and the different, the different pickiness about the food. I'm, I'm sugar free. You just came to someone's house. They made you a cake. Eat it. Oh, I'm sugar free. You're not sugar free, right? There's sugar everywhere. You can't be sugar free. We Muslims don't offend people. Okay, no matter what you have, unless you have, and I'm telling you, like. The actual true percentage of allergies has to be, you know, like uh, probably like one out of 20 friends you have has one legit allergy, right? That's that's average. Not every single kid has an allergy. The kids, I would say, I want to hire, if I ran a school, I would go and hire correctional officers from jail, right? From prison, former military, come and I give you an hour a day with these kids, whip them into shape, running push-ups i don't want to hear a, a word out of you not my kneecap is 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 i was born with a high kneecap low kneecap i i got a cramp nah toughen up with love of course listen according to this person you know russia all they need to destroy america run, come on america with some peanuts right sneak some peanuts in the food that's it you know it's like a guilty pleasure of mine kind of like yeah. it used to be you know that show, uh, Beyond Scared Straight? Never heard of it, no. Oh, come on, you know this. No, I never come heard of on. it. Come <laughs> on. It's like the really bad kids, right? Yeah. It's like a program. So they have like... Oh, yeah, that they one. Take they take him in the prison. Like a week or two. And yes. then they get like insulted by the prisoners. Like, oh, yep. you respect your mom. You yep. And the guard's like, oh, you want to be a man? That's you awesome. Touch your mom? It's free for... The, it's it's entertainment for the prisoners, right? Yeah. And it scares the lights out of the kids. I love that. You guys sat That's down. great. Please don't offend people who legitimately suffer from ADHD. Autism is, an, uh, autism is something else. That's like, we're not touching that, right? Because that's a real thing. But a lot of the stuff, you have to, you have to recognize too, a lot of the stuff is, okay? It's really uh, brought up upon by talking it up. It's A lot of it's psychosomatic, I guarantee you. Guaranteed. A lot of it. Not all of it. But where's the limit? Probably it's a fuzzy limit, we can't say. But I'm telling you, there are families with cultures of this. It is a family culture. It is part of the terbiyah. It's aqidah and belief. It's a sincerely held, tightly grasped belief in sicknesses and in allergies. right? And in every possible thing that could be out there. Diagnosis. Luxury diet. What are they like? What is it called? Like customizable diagnosis. Of stuff that really we can't see it. Where is the proof? Where is the evidence for this stuff, right? A lot of it. Anyway, not um I don't not, no one's offended here. No. Because you understand like what we're saying. There's a big difference between something that is a clear marad illness and something that's like a a customized, you know, what's the word for it? You know, you know, diagnosis that it's like really where is it? Where is the proof of this? 
parents shouldn't make an excuse for the kid, like, I can't do this because of that. It should be looked at the other way. We're like, okay, I have ADHD or something. Let me use it in a positive way. Let me yeah. get out of it. Exactly. Uh, Let's overcome it. Use it as a, a crutch. Yeah. yeah. Let's overcome it. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't exist. Most of the foods that we eat are probably killing us. That's the truth. And we don't even know it. It's causing skin disorders, rashes, terrible uh, intestinal stuff. But what are you going to do? How is she going to combat this? There, Abbas says it, designer diagnosis. That's what it is. There's a lot of designer diagnoses out there. That which does not, is not supported by hard factual evidence. It's just an explanation of, of, of or, or an attempted theory. But is it used as a crutch or is it something I'm going to get over? Okay, Because if it's something I'm going to get over, the reaction to it is I'm not going to go around telling everybody. right? I'm not going to repeat it 10 times a day that I have this, I have this, I have that. I'm not going to talk about it. right? And I'm going to actually overcome it. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to run. Jazakum Allah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. We will see you all Monday bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Wa jazakum Allah khairan. Have a good weekend. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Oh, baby.